COVID-19 has been a huge issue the past month. Many of us have stay-at-home orders, many are working from home, or some aren't working at all, and those of us who are working outside of the home have been deemed essential employees. Technology is playing a big role in how we deal with COVID-19, and today we discuss this on Joey's Totally Ted. changed. In the past month or so, we have gone from living life normally, going to restaurants, movies, sporting events, concerts, and more, to not being able to go out to those events at all, but only going to the grocery stores and pharmacies, and if we go to a restaurant, it's carry out only. Most of us can now only go out for the essentials or to work essential jobs. Technology has put us in a unique spot for this pandemic. The last such pandemic that I know of on this magnitude, the Spanish flu, was in a time where we did not have the technology that we take for granted today. Now we have delivery apps and services we are able to communicate electronically and many jobs can be done from home. COVID-19 is really putting technology to the test. Groceries and meals can be delivered through an app on your phone so you don't have to go out and contact people who may have the virus. We've started using new apps for work and group communications. And technology is also being used to fight COVID-19 and inform people about what's going on with the virus. We can now join our computers to a supercomputer network to help bring us a step closer to a cure or a vaccine. And various apps may help with fighting COVID-19 if you happen to catch it, though at the potential cost of privacy for a time. The rise of food and grocery delivery and online pickup. Food delivery isn't anything new. For decades, pizza delivery has been widely available. But what has been more common in recent years are restaurant delivery services such as Grubhub, DoorDash, and Uber Eats, and grocery delivery services such as Instacart, Shipped, and Postmates. I've had experience with Uber Eats personally. 
The convenience of being able to order food from your favorite restaurant and have it delivered in about 30 minutes to an hour is pretty amazing. It's a bit more expensive though, having to pay a convenience fee as well as tipping the driver. It's probably not worth it on an individual level financially. However, if we're talking about a family of three or more people, it could be worth it. But in these days, we need to stay home as much as possible. So if you're really craving that Taco Bell, it's an easy way to go if you've got the money. And then I've also had personal experience with Instacart. It's really nice because you select what you want from the grocery store and they send a shopper who will do your grocery shopping for you. You know when the shopper is on the way, when they're there, and then when they're coming to you. While your shopper is going through the store finding your items, they will let you know if they're out of something and offer to replace the item with something else and you get text messages right in the app. Then they let you know when the shopper is done and on the way. Again, you have the convenience fee and the tip to leave for your shopper. However, if you've got a medium to large shopping order, and many of us do, it will be more than worth it. If you just want a candy bar and a soda, it's probably best to go to the local convenience store or to a grocery store yourself. Most, if not all, of these services have contactless delivery. They can leave it at your door and you never have to make contact with them. This also presents an opportunity for many people to make a bit of extra money or perhaps even a full-time gig, especially now with many people losing jobs. I work at Target, so I'm an essential employee. I've seen an increased number of people who are starting with Shipped, which Target owns, and making deliveries to people over the past few weeks. Many do it to earn an extra income, but many who have lost their jobs due to the lockdowns and stay-at-home orders have turned to these delivery services for an income. And then, you don't just have delivery. Many people are doing drive-up and online pickup in stores. I personally have done online pickup for a long time because if I go to a place like Best Buy, I don't care to interact with most of the people, especially the salespeople that work there. I just want to get what I want and go without being sold something else or without bad advice. And sorry, Best Buy, but I've had both happen there. I want to get what I came for, and I have a low tolerance of hearing things that I know is bad information for consumers, and your stores are bad for that. During the COVID-19 pandemic though, that ability to get in and out quickly is very important. So there has been an increase in online pickups as well as drive-ups were offered. For pickup, you order on the website or app, you're notified when it's ready, and you go to the store and pick it up. And for drive-ups, it's quite similar. And I know at Target, we even have an app on our devices that lets us know 
when you're coming and it honks like a car at us when you arrive at the drive up. The Rise of Zoom Video chat on the internet is nothing new. Group video chats can be done through Skype, Hangouts, or Zoom, and Zoom, as of late, has become the popular choice. It has an easy-to-use interface, and you can schedule and host meetings easily. Granted, the free version will only let you host up to 40 minutes. Zoom is a very professional app and originally designed for business meetings and other conference calls. However, this is now being used more for online classes and even for social life. This weekend, a friend of mine invited my girlfriend and I and a few other friends for a Zoom chat. We can't all see each other in person right now. The only one I get to see in person is my girlfriend because I live with her and she was out of town with a client this weekend working her essential job. So Zoom helped us get together as a group. And you could use it together and play games like Cards Against Humanity, for example. Playingcards.io has a version of that game that they call Remote Insensitivity. And people use that and Zoom together to play that game. Using your computer to fight COVID-19. You can use your computer to fight COVID-19. There's BOINC, which stands for Berkeley Open Infrastructure of Network Computers, and is supported by the National Science Foundation, and there's also Folding at Home. Both work in similar ways. BOINC uses the Rosetta program on your computer while you're not using it to determine three-dimensional shapes of proteins in the research that may help find a cure in human diseases, including COVID-19. Folding at Home has its own program, but essentially does the same thing. Your computer connects to their server, along with many other computers, effectively creating a distributed supercomputer. It connects to the server and downloads and processes jobs while your computer is idle. That processing power you donate helps bring us closer to a cure for COVID-19. We may have to give up some privacy. South Korea has been credited for its way that it has fought against COVID-19. They were able to keep the economy going, but they had to give up a certain amount of privacy. Temperature checks were required before going into any building. Not only that, but thermal scanners are often used to determine who has a fever without even using a thermometer. So they knew if you had a fever, even if you didn't tell anyone, and you are not allowed to enter any of the buildings. If you were diagnosed with COVID-19, you had to download an app that tracked your movement. You are not allowed to leave your home until you are cleared by a doctor, and doing so could result in a hefty fine. 
Would we as Americans want this in our society? Many people are concerned about privacy and are not easily willing to give it up just for COVID-19. A group of Duke University students have developed a mobile app called Contain It. This app helps to slow the spread of the virus by letting people know if they are at risk to having been exposed. Your data is stored on your own device for privacy reasons. However, if someone indicates they had been infected, the data is sent to contain its servers. The app uses that data to figure out a risk factor to determine who was near that person. The developers hope the app will help people decide if they need to self-isolate. The app is not yet available, but a demo can be seen on YouTube. They also have a proof-of-concept website at graphimmunity.xyz. The app has not been launched yet due to Apple being very selective about the apps they allow in their app store, but they are hoping that partnerships with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the National Institutes of Health will persuade Apple to let them in the iOS App Store. We've had a great deal of change in the past month or so, and more is likely to come. However, the technology we've developed over the past few decades has put us in a great place to deal with this pandemic now. And we keep moving forward into better places with this. We'd likely see more loss of life if people were not able to work and shop from home during this time. But we have the challenge of developing ways of fighting COVID-19 without violating privacy if that's even possible. Ultimately, we haven't won until we found a vaccine, which is likely anywhere from a year to 18 months away. But we have the technology to move on in many aspects during this pandemic. Hey everyone, it's Joey, and I'm recording this for my iPhone 6S. Have you heard about the Anchor app yet? If not, let me explain. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. I'm recording from my phone right now. I normally use my professional microphone at home to record, but hey, I'm showing that you can do this on the phone too. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more platforms. You can make money from your podcast. There's no minimum listenership required. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the Anchor app in the Apple App Store or Android's Google Play Store today to get started. Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. It's been another week of staying at home, yet there has been another week's worth of tech news. 
a little bit of it involves this COVID-19 world we are living in. Sony has revealed its new PlayStation 5 controller. Stadia Pro is free for the next two months. A video game for Switch is accused of using Switch hardware to mine cryptocurrency. Animal Crossing New Horizons has been pulled from some Chinese stores. A mini-game in Borderlands 3 is helping out with real-life medical research. Windows will have Linux file support for WSL in the File Explorer. Apple and Google are teaming up to trace COVID-19 infections. Google rebrands Hangouts. And mutant enzymes could greatly improve plastic recycling. Sit back and relax, have a cup of coffee, tea, or what have you, because it's time for the news on Joey's Totally Tech. has introduced their PS5 controller, dropping the DualShock naming scheme that previous PlayStation controllers have gone with. Sony announced its new controller, the DualSense Wireless Controller. Sony claims the new controller will deliver a, quote, new feeling of immersion to players. The controller features haptic feedback and the triggers are adaptive with changing tension depending on what you're doing in the game. It has a built-in mic for the in-game chat, a create button in place of the share button, and some changes to the grip. Many are saying that this new controller looks a lot like an Xbox controller, but for others, the design reminds people of things like tank tops, Mario's overalls, and more. Stadia Pro is free for the next two months. The online game streaming service from Google, Stadia, has made its pro tier free for the next two months. Stadia Pro allows you to play at 4K, play a number of free games, and purchase a number of paid games at a discount. But at the moment, because of the increased internet usage due to COVID-19, Stadia is limiting resolutions to 1080p. Stadia also has launched Stadia Basic, a free tier which includes a number of free games, games which have been out for some time now. Is the game Cookie Mama using your Nintendo Switch to mine cryptocurrency? Allegations have been made on Twitter that Cookie Mama Cookstar for the Nintendo Switch was using player switches to mine cryptocurrency. The developer, First Playable, and its publisher, Planet Entertainment, have denied these claims. The developer stated, quote, As the developers, we can say with certainty that there is no cryptocurrency or data collecting or blockchain or anything else shady in the code. The Nintendo Switch is a very safe platform with none of the data and privacy issues associated with some mobile and PC games. They also said, quote, Blockchain was never brought up to us as developers, 
and we were entertained to hear about it in late 2019. Not happening anytime soon. The game has also had distribution issues as it is supposed to be available now, but it's not listed on Nintendo's online store. Amazon is selling copies through two third-party sellers, and Walmart has listed the game as being out of stock, but some Twitter users seem to have received physical copies of the game. Animal Crossing New Horizons has been pulled from some Chinese stores after in-game Hong Kong protests. Some online stores in China have removed listings for the game. The online retailers include Penduoduo and Teobeo. This is after some players have used the game to share pro-Hong Kong protest messages. It's not totally clear whether the companies are acting independently or if they could be responding to pressure from the Chinese government. Joshua Wong, a Hong Kong political activist, said, quote, Animal Crossing is a place without political censorship, so it is a good place to continue our fight. There is no evidence that the removal from the stores is related to the protest messages, but video games in China have been censored for less, as well as players from the region. But the game is not officially approved in China to be sold to begin with. Even so, there are other ways for players in China to get the game, including small independent stores or changing the region settings on the Switch to get access to the North American or Japanese eShops. A minigame in Borderlands 3 is now helping out real-life medical research. The minigame is called Borderlands Science. It's an arcade game created by scientists to help find and correct errors in their computer-based DNA analysis of microbes that are found in the gut, which they found while sifting through, well, poop. Yes, you heard me right, poop. The game is a puzzle game where you match the sequences, which helps scientists identify the errors. And this is not the first time scientists have used video games to help out with real-life research. A few years ago, EVE Online launched Project Discovery, which helped with examining and classifying pictures of cells. And this helps make the argument all the more that we should be paid to play video games because we're helping out the scientific community. That would be a pretty awesome job. Windows is getting Linux file support for its Windows subsystem for Linux. Microsoft rolled out a new build of Windows 10 to its Windows Insiders on April 8th. It was billed 19603 to the Insiders in the fast ring. The main new feature is the integration of the Windows subsystem for Linux, or WSL. Microsoft had previously enabled the ability to access WSL files from the File Explorer in version 1903, but they're now making it easier to access those files directly from the File Explorer integration. The latest build shows a Linux option on the sidebar in File Explorer. From there, you'll see the different Linux distros you have installed, and clicking on any of them will take you to the Linux root for that distro. Apple and Google are teaming up to contact trace COVID-19. 
The two companies are jointly developing technology to alert people if they have recently come into contact with others who have been found to be infected. First, they want to initially help third-party contact tracing apps run efficiently, but they ultimately aim to do away with the need to download the dedicated apps entirely. The companies believe their approach would address privacy concerns, and this strangely plays into the topic for today on the episode and the container app that I mentioned. The technology would use a smartphone's Bluetooth signals to determine whom the owner had recently been in proximity with for long enough to establish a risk. If one of those people later tested positive for COVID-19, a warning would be sent to the original handset owner. No GPS location or personal data is recorded in the process. Apple and Google said in a joint statement, quote, Privacy, transparency, and consent are of the utmost importance in this effort, and we look forward to building this functionality in consultation with interested stakeholders. And we will openly publish information about our work for others to analyze. President Trump says they need time to consider the development, quote, It's very interesting, but a lot of people worry about it in terms of a person's freedom, Trump said in the White House press conference. Meanwhile, the EU is more positive, saying, quote, The initiative will require further assessment. However, after a quick look at it, seems to tick the right boxes as regards to user choice, data, protection by design, and pan-European interoperability. Other countries, including the UK, France, and Germany, are working on initiatives of their own, and some municipal governments here in the US are about to adopt a third-party app, the Private Kit, created by an associate professor at MIT. And my friends, a lot of this would have been included in the earlier part of the episode had I had it in time, but it just goes to show that this is an ever-developing situation. I did not know about this previously. Google rebrands Hangouts to Google Chat or Google Meet. With the Hangouts branding for the Enterprise G Suite products coming to an end, Hangouts Meet has been renamed Google Meet, and the Hangouts Chat service is now going to be named Google Chat. Google Hangouts was launched in 2013 as a replacement to Google Talk. The rebrand was spotted in support documents, the U.S. Trademark Office, and was confirmed to The Verge. The Hangouts branding is not completely dead yet. The consumer version of Hangouts Classic Chat app has retained the name Hangouts Chat, or now Google Chat, is meant to be a Slack competitor. They have slowly been transitioning G Suite users from Google Hangouts to Google Chat. The migration should be complete in June 2020. And finally, a mutant enzyme could greatly improve recycling of plastic bottles. About 30% of plastic that goes into soda bottles right now gets turned into new plastic when recycled and often ends up as a lower strength version of the plastic it used to be. But now researchers have engineered an enzyme that can convert 
90% of that same plastic back to its pristine starting materials. They're working on scaling up the technology and opening up a demonstration plant next year. Polyethylene terephthalate, or PET, I know I butchered that name, is one of the world's most commonly used plastics. The current approach to the recycling of this has problems, and recycling companies typically end up with a broad mix of different colors of plastic. When melted down, it produces a gray or black plastic starting material that companies generally don't want to use in their products. And now we understand why many recycling centers, they want the color plastic containers separated from clear. The companies that do use the material though, typically turn it into carpets or other low grade plastic fibers, which will eventually end up in a landfill or be incinerated going against the whole idea of recycling in the first place. The new enzymes developed break down PET and other plastics. The enzyme, known as leaf branch compost cutinase, or LLC, snips the bonds between PET's two building blocks, the terephthalate, I'm butchering that again, and ethylene glycol, LLC, which evolved to break down waxy protective coating on plants' leaves, slowly breaks apart PET bonds only and falls apart just after a few days working at 65 degrees Celsius, the temperature at which PET begins to soften. This allows the enzyme to more easily wiggle into the polymer to reach the lengths it tries to break. Engineers have re-engineered this enzyme and are looking at ways to make the enzyme work at higher temperatures. The team found it could break down 90% of 200 grams of PET in 10 hours. They then used the building blocks generated by the enzymes to generate new PET and produce plastic bottles that were just as strong as the original bottles they came from. Oh gosh, that was a lot of tech news to cover, my friends. That just goes to show you how the tech news doesn't slow down, even if we're locked down. I hope you found this episode beneficial and enlightening in the world of tech. Don't forget, you can support the podcast financially through the Anchor app if you'd like to. And tell your friends about the podcast, too. This has been Joey on Joey's Totally Tech, and I will catch you next time.